was the last time you attended a slumber party with your girlfriends and discussed issues on your heart? If you're like me, it's been quite some time. Hi and welcome. My name is Felice Gerwitz and I welcome you to tonight's Mommy Jammies Night. This is a time for you and my friends from around the world to join us live. Put on a comfortable pair of pajamas, pull up a chair, and settle in with your favorite refreshment. And prepare to be blessed as I welcome tonight's guest. Well, hi, everybody, and welcome. My name is Felice Gerwitz, and I am delighted to bring you a friend of mine who I've met in real life, along with her husband, Hal, and her delightful family. And let me just tell you that um, Melanie and Hal are um, exactly um, what they appear to be online is exactly who they are in person. Um, Melanie doesn't mince words, and uh, they are really uh, truly followers of the Lord and uh, have just given so much of themselves um, in this ministry. Melanie Young with us tonight. So welcome, Melanie. I am so delighted to be here. You know, when we were talking about what topic to talk about, this is the one that was on my heart because it's easy to get started. August is no big deal if everything's going great. But when right. you've got that sinking feeling in the pit of your stomach, it's hard to get started. Right. And, you know, it's a perfect timing, even if you're listening to this audio later in the year. Um, you know, Melanie and Hal Young are, you know, have an awesome podcast. Um, you want to catch that as well. And uh, so if you go to the ultimatehomeschoolradionetwork.com, on that very front page, there is a link button. Um, to their show, and they have um, Making Biblical Family Life Practical uh, that they podcast every week, and um, they get lots of comments, and I know because uh, somehow I get, whenever anybody posts comments on our website, I get them in my inbox as well, and so it's always great to see what their their guests are saying, and, um, you know, it, it, it's wonderful. Um, and so, Melanie, you and Hal um, started this, you know, this writing ministry, um, if you will, with Raising Real Men, which is the first book you guys wrote. And then um, you followed it with uh, My Beloved, My Friend. And I know that took a couple of years of writing because you had some uh, some setbacks, and one of them was time because you do have an extensive family. So just tell us a little bit, first of all, um, about, you know, you and your family and then how you got started writing. Well, we've been homeschooling for long, more than 20 years. We have six boys in a row and two little girls at the end. We've graduated three of our boys, and we have three boys and the two girls still left at home. And people just kept asking us, please talk to us about raising boys because everybody was struggling with homeschooling their boys. Well, we started mm-hmm. talking about it, and people said, do you have a book? No, we don't have a book. We have a family. We're too busy for a book. <laughs> well, the Lord took care of that. He made sure we wrote the book. And um, then our second book came out, My Beloved and My Friend, How to Be Married to Your Best Friend Without Changing Spouses. And we have actually, we're about to release a third book, which is Four Young Men in Their Teens and Twenties About Purity, About God's Design for Sexuality. And we're starting our fourth book right now. And the fourth one is going to be about parenting preteens. That's great. Well, I'm I'm glad you're on on the roll now, you know, and 
And uh, it, it is, it's difficult to write when you're homeschooling and as much as you guys travel. Um, and so this is really your, your time, right? Sometimes um, you have a block of time during the summer where you two um, work really hard at getting these books done. Yeah, we're on our writing retreat right now. We're heading out at a lake in rural South Carolina while our adult kids house sit. And every and the enemy is doing everything he can to keep us from writing. Hal's computer has completely died, like hard drive completely dry, died. Wow. And we're doing. I mean, it's been it's been rough. So please pray that we'll get this book written. Oh, I will. I will. And you know that that's the thing. It just seems like you know whenever you have the time, something else comes in the way, and that just tells me like today was such a. Uh, you know, a, a not very fun day for me, and that just tells me, you know, oh yeah, that's right, it's Mommy Jammy's night tonight, and and so, um, you know, the enemy wants to rob me of my peace, and he's not going to because I am excited to be here with you guys. And just a little bit of uh, housekeeping um, for those of you who are listening in the archives, you can go to mommyjammy'snight.com and uh, scroll down and look for, um, you know, well, let's see. It's so funny. I, I do these things, and it's like, okay, what am I going to call this show? Because they're so, the shorter the title, the better. But I think we're just going to keep the title. So back to school when you feel like a homeschool failure. Just look for that uh, show on the mommyjammiesnight.com, and that will have um, a bunch of, of links. And I'll have links to Helen Melanie's podcast as well as links to their website and books. And you can find them all over on social media. In fact, uh, Melanie has a very, very active uh, Facebook page, so a lot of people um, have uh, quite a bit to say over there. So, um, you know, and then we're also, to, yeah, go ahead. Up to nearly 60,000 on that page. It's unbelievable. Wonderful, wonderful. I, that, is, that is such a blessing. Um, and then for those of you who are here tonight, um, I uh do not see it this second, um, but there is a Q&A box um, that appears to be missing. So what I will do is um, I will let you know when it's up, and then I will go ahead and refresh the screen, um, or I may just have you post. Um, usually the, the question and answer box just comes to me, and a lot of people like to post things anonymously, so I will go ahead and, and get that box um, back up on this page. Uh, so praise you, Lord, that I saw that. <laughs> oh, gosh. Okay. Well, Melanie, I'm going to let you get started here. We're a little bit informal, but this is Jamie Knight. And um, and then I'll be back at the end, and we'll take some questions from our guests. All right. Tonight, ladies, we're going to be talking about back to school when you feel like a homeschool failure. I hope that you are in your jammies and have a cup of tea. I'm not because I had to drive into town to talk to you guys because where we're hiding out to write is so far out that we can't get a decent Internet connection. That's how we get any writing done. So, you know, when I think about coming back to school and starting school again, I have been that mom who was shirt-popping proud of my homeschooling and my children. I've also been that mom that hated to think about the word homeschooling because it was so laden with guilt and sadness for me. I mean, where homeschool magazines would come in the mail, and I would put them at the bottom of the stack. I didn't even want to see them, didn't want to open them, because I felt like 
just the whole topic upset me. How can that be? You know, we've had some rough times along the way. Like one year, we had a newborn with a life-threatening heart condition who spent weeks in the ICU. Oh, that was the year that we wrote Raising Romance and released it. And three children had surgery. And we found out that Hal had stage four cancer all in one year. I mean, we were in permanent survival mode the whole time. I can't even remember school that year. School had to take a back seat. We were surviving. I didn't think we'd ever get our feet under us again. We had a rough year last year. I I was bitten by a tick in September. Didn't figure out that I had Lyme disease until I was really, really sick. And so these things happen. You know, but what can you do? What do you do when you look at your homeschooling and your stomach just sinks? When you think, this is not going the way I think it I think it should have. We haven't done what we what we think we should have. The whole world's falling apart around me. What do I do? Well the first thing you've got to do is not quit. It's really tempting. It's tempting to think anybody could do this better than me. It's tempting to think, I'm not serving my children well by having them at home with me. We need to do something else. But let me tell you this. You are much more likely to be able to get your kids up to speed and to catch up from whatever's happened in the past if they're at home with you because you have so much more flexibility. And if you are going through some kind of crisis like we did that year, your kids need to be with you. They need to be with their family. They don't need the added stress of trying to cope with a new schooling situation. I'll tell you what else. Homeschooling, as much time as it takes, is going to be much less stressful for you than trying to fit your crazy life to someone else's schedule and expectations. You know, the school doesn't care when you have doctor's appointments. The school doesn't care when nobody got any sleep the night before. But you know what's most important, the most important reason not to quit? The reasons you decided to homeschool have not changed at all. Because the biggest reason to homeschool, the most important reason to homeschool is to disciple our kids. And discipleship happens best in stress. Honestly. What I had to figure out is that, see, God's curriculum for my children was different than mine. You know, I had this great list of things I wanted my kids to to do. I wanted my kids to learn all these things, and we were going to have the most advanced, academically rigorous curriculum that anybody had. And I had to find out, you know what? God wanted my children to learn other things. Because when I look back on those times when we were just surviving homeschooling and everything extra went out of the window, I see so much that our kids learned that wasn't part of our plan. They learned how Christians respond to trials, even the threat of death. They learned how to draw together as a family in a crisis. They learned how to take responsibility because there wasn't anybody else that could handle it. They learned how to step up to the plate and to do more and do more adult things than they thought were possible. They learned how to care for and comfort and support people in need because they'd been in need. See, they learned what God wanted them to learn. And so the years that were the worst years for us homeschooling-wise were in some ways the best years for us character-wise. And when I look at the Word of God, 
there's very, very little about academics. And that's kind of hard for me to, to admit because we are a very academically oriented family. I mean, we love academics. We love the great books. We love studying together and learning together. But when I search the Word of God, there's a ton about discipleship. There's a ton about character. And there's not a lot about academics. And I had to realize, you know what? Maybe God's perspective on this whole thing is different than mine. My perspective is we've got to do all this. We've got to keep up with the Joneses. I want our kids to get into great colleges. And they have, by God's grace. But, you know, I, I really, my dream was different than what God's idea was. And, you know, one thing I learned is that when we can't homeschool like we want to, that really that crisis, that time, may lead our kids to grow up in ways they wouldn't have if we were able to do everything. For example, that spring that our youngest was in and out, in and out of ICU for weeks. Now, let me tell you, it was horrible. Okay, here's this newborn baby. She had a heart condition. They would find some medication they think would control it, and they'd send us home. And 12 hours later, her heart would go into a dangerous rhythm again. We'd be racing out to the hospital again. It was a nightmare. It was so hard. I mean, she was two weeks old when this started. And I was feeling sicker and sicker as the weeks went on because I had a child who was a high school student, and he was taking three AP-level classes which were really challenging. This was my child that, you know, kind of the class clown that I have dragged through everything. And I'm thinking, there's no way he's doing his score without me there. There's no way. And I got home and I said, okay, son, I need you to be really honest with me. What have you done? I need to know exactly where you are and we'll catch up from here. And he said, I'm done, Mom. I said, okay, okay, look, don't don't do this to me. I need to know exactly where you are, and I will just drop the other kids schooling for three weeks, three weeks of AP exams, just tell them where you are. I'll cram as much as we can so you can do as well as possible. You can't change the dates of the AP exams, by the way. Those are advanced placement classes when you can get college credit. Well, so he, um, he said, Mom, really, honestly, I am done. I said, what in the world? And he said, well, you know, I realized I didn't know when you were getting home. I didn't know if Katie would ever get out of the hospital. And if it was going to happen, it was up to me. Oh, my word. What I thought was a tragedy, that I wasn't there to teach him, that I wasn't there to drag him through it, that I wasn't there to make sure he did it, was God's design for growing him up, for making him an adult, for helping him to learn to do what, to take charge of his own education. And you know what? That young man just graduated from college, and he graduated debt-free, having worked his tail off the whole time, managed everything himself. He did a great job. I don't think he would have if we hadn't gone through that crisis. If I had been able to homeschool him the way that I thought I should, God knew otherwise. But in order to move forward, when we feel like homeschool failures, we have to deal with our guilt. Because sometimes it is our fault. Even if we've had 
crises and stuff, sometimes, at least to a degree, we haven't managed like we should have. We've been distracted with social media. Or maybe we've been trying to help support the family or doing ministry work that was really important, and we just haven't paid the attention to school that we need to. Back in the day, it's still recoverable. You know, God is forgiving and he's long-suffering. He says in Psalm 134, that there is forgiveness with you that you may be feared. And in 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And so whether it's a little bit of guilt or a lot of guilt or maybe even false guilt, we've got to bring all that to the Lord. Just confess it. Get on your knees. Confess it to God. Tell him everything and ask him to forgive you. Embrace his forgiveness. He's promised us that if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins. Now, why does it say faithful and just? Because, see, Jesus died so that we could be forgiven of our sins. He took the penalty. And so it is complete justice for God to forgive us because Jesus paid the price. And he paid the price for our failures in homeschooling, just like he did everything else. So, we've got to deal with the guilt by laying it down, by asking for forgiveness, and remembering that God restores and heals. One of my favorite chapters of God is Joel 2. In Joel 2.25, it says, He restores the years the locusts have eaten. Now, when... I read that. I really know what that means. I've seen it in my schoolwork. You know, I remember a child who took, um, I remember a year that I bought a geography curriculum, a really cool geography curriculum. And I had all these grandiose ideas of how much time we're going to spend on this, and our children were going to learn how to draw maps of the whole world, and it was going to be so cool. And um, at the end of that year, one of our sons was competing for the National Geographic B Prize. Now, some of you, if you've heard this, the hard times in homeschool, how to homeschool through hard times, you've heard a couple of these stories, but hang on, we've got new stuff coming, all right? Well, he was competing for the National Geographic Day, and they asked him a question that I didn't know the answer to. Now, that's really unusual because I know a lot about geography. I've traveled extensively, and my heart just sank. And he answered the question, and they said, correct. And I thought, what? And then this teacher next to me said, whose kid is that? What school does he go to? You know, I ruffled up my feathers and I said, that's my son. We homeschool. And she said, what geography curriculum do you use? And then I had to go to the bathroom because we had not opened the geography curriculum that year, had not touched it. In fact, afterwards I said, how did you know the answer to that? And he said, well, you remember last week when, we were, when you caught me reading when I was supposed to be doing school, and you told me to put up my book, and I said, yeah. He said, well, actually, the, the G.A. Henning novel that I was reading happened on that plane they asked about. <laughs> I thought, oh, boy, God has a sense of humor. You know, I see people asking, does that verse really truly work in homeschooling, even if we're the locust? You know what? We do have to recognize that the verse in Joel describes a time when God said, First, before he said he restored the years of Moses of Eden, he said, Now therefore, says the Lord, turn to me with all your heart, with fasting, with weeping, and with mourning. 
So lend your heart and not your garments. Return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and merciful. Slow to anger and of great kindness, and he relents from doing harm. That's Joel 2, 12 and 13. You see, yeah, we have to repent. If there's sin there, if we've been the locust, we have to repent. But he says, so rend your heart and not your garments. You want to read that in the context of I think, well, maybe instead of tearing up our, our school plans and throwing away the school books and sending our kids to school, we need to deal with our hearts. We need to get on our knees and rend our hearts before God and ask for forgiveness and have true repentance. But God's response to our repentance is forgiveness and restoration. He loves us. He restores us. He heals us. Now, that doesn't mean it all necessarily goes away. Sometimes we have to bear the consequences, no matter how, whose fault it is, whether it's ours, whether it's our children's, whether it's just the circumstances surrounding us. But God helps us during that time. You know, he loves us. And he's using these times for, for our good and our children's good and for his glory. And so, yeah, repent. But he is the God who restores the years the locusts have eaten. And I have seen it happen in our school. This is the truth. So what do you do then, okay? We recognize that, you know, God's curriculum may be different than ours, maybe had a different plan here. We deal with the with the guilt by going to the foot of the cross and asking for forgiveness. We recognize that God restores and heals, but we're looking at our school and thinking, okay, what now? Well, we've got to play the ball where it lies. <laughs> that comes from golf. You tee off, you, you swing that club, pow, hit the ball. Sometimes it goes straight down the fairway. Sometimes it goes into the rough or even into the woods. You can't move it. You have to play it where it lies. And that's the way it is in school. Okay? So what do we got to do? We've got to lay our guilt and remorse and anxiety at the foot of the cross and then walk away from it and get busy doing what we're supposed to do. So let's talk about practically what we do right now to get this school year in gear. Okay, first, get one child, gather all their school books. Now get a spreadsheet or a form, and um, if you go to raisingwheelmen.com slash planning, Felice has posted that, it'll take you to a form where if you sign up for our newsletter, you can go to my very simple planning forms. They're not fancy. They're not pretty, but they're simple, okay? Get a planning form or spreadsheet or something and find out exactly where that child is in each subject. Just write it down. Go across the top, where they are in each subject. Do that for every one of your kids. And you know what? Don't get discouraged at this point. Don't go picking up all your baggage from the foot of the cross and beating yourself over the head. Okay, that's done, okay? You've laid it before the cross. It's time to get busy. So then you've got to make a plan for recovery. Now, sometimes you find out, you know, they're pretty much on track. Maybe we didn't exactly finish all the subjects, all the books. But you know what? I never have seen, heard of a public school finishing a textbook, any textbook. Okay. Maybe you didn't exactly get to the end of the textbook. Maybe there are a few lessons left. But you're pretty much on track. Okay, then what you've got to do is make a plan to do better. Now, some things that will help that is 
make your school time sacred, okay? Don't check social media. Don't answer the phone before lunch. Don't, but then again, don't go destroy your blog or social media, okay? I've seen people do that. That doesn't help. Instead, look for, there's some software out there that you can, if you can't resist checking it, there's software you can install on your computer that will not let you check it until the time you say you will. Okay, some of our some of our guys use that. But you've got to block off the time to do school. And for many of us, that means we've got to put the computers aside, put the phone aside, and that's why I'm recommending these planning forms because they're on paper. And you don't have the excuse of going to your computer and then see you've got notifications and check the notifications and then answer the questions. And it happens to me all the time, okay? Instead, get up, have chore time, do school, period, okay? Now, but what if they're behind? What if you bring all that stuff out and you find out, you know what? We really are behind. It's okay. Again, don't go picking up all that baggage. So we're going to make a plan to move on from here. First, start pruning things back. Art, music, all that stuff can wait. Okay, it can wait till later. Now, your high schoolers, they can do an amazing amount to catch themselves up if they own it. So with your high schoolers, what you've got to do is you've got to have a talk with them. And you've got to talk to them and say, what do you plan to do for a living? What are you going to do when you graduate from high school? And help them to see how close it is and how soon they'll be out there on their own and help them to begin to realize this is my education. It's not about me and mom. It's about what I'm going to do with my life. Because if they own that, you don't have to worry about them. They'll catch up. It's amazing to see how much a high schooler can do if they really want to. I've seen it. One of ours had been dragging his feet, dragging his feet, dragging his feet. Suddenly he decided, you know, I want to go to vet school. I said, why don't you research it? He started looking at how hard it was to get into vet school, and he started busting his behind. And this kid that I could not get him to do one math lesson a day is doing several a day. What in the world? Because he started owning it. Now, what about your younger kids, your middle and elementary school kids? They're going to need you to drive it, okay? Now, first, when you've got kids that are behind, when you haven't gotten where you need to be right now, then first you want to focus on math. See, math is limiting. If you're behind in math, you can't move ahead in some other things. Like if they're behind in math, they can't do chemistry when they get to high school. They have to have Algebra 1 before they can, start, before they can do chemistry. Also, math introduces new concepts along the along that you really have to be good at to make it the next level of math. So how do you catch up in math? Well, it's, getting the math done is easier than you think it is. Because I know for most of us, we go, oh, how are we going to do it? I can't do it. We can't get one lesson done in a day. But let me tell you something, because we've done it. If you focus on math, you can do two, three, four, or even more lessons a day. One of mine this summer got really behind this past year, and he wanted to catch up because he didn't want to be in trouble all year this coming year. And so he did some days five or six math lessons a day. It can be done. How? Okay, first cut down the repetition. For example, have them do every other problem. You can write the problem for them. You know, a lot of children, a lot of boys particularly, when they are in that middle, in elementary school or even early middle school, 
the writing is just so much work for them that they dread math just because it's a lot of writing. Write, write it down for them. Copy the problems out for them. Do whatever it takes to get it done. Also, show enthusiasm yourself. If you open the math book with me and say, hey, let me show you this. It's really cool. And you describe it to them and you say, this is neat. Let me show you how, how it's used in the real world. They'll be a lot more enthusiastic about it if you're enthusiastic about it. If you're dragging your feet, go get your math book. Then they just think it's like cod liver oil. So you've got to show some enthusiasm. Show them how it's used in the real world. That's really important for boys. Okay. Show them how it's used in the real world. Now, what if they are just struggling to get it done? What if, the letter, if each problem is taking them a long time? You know what? No matter how old they are, do some fact sheets. Okay? Fact sheets, because when they know their facts, and what do I mean by know their facts? If they can do 100 math facts of one kind, like addition or subtraction, whatever, or multiplication, if they can do 100 of the same kind in less than five minutes, they have it memorized. And once they memorize it, it's going to be very hard to get it down to five. Once they hit five, they'll go often in a few days to less than two minutes because they have it memorized. Now, there is a math worksheet site. I just always Google math, sheet, math worksheet generator. I think it's called the math worksheet site where you can generate those hundred um, math worksheets very easily. And what we did when we were struggling to get math done is I just got, gave everybody, gave everybody a, an addition one. And when you kept doing addition every day until you got less than five minutes and you moved to subtraction, then you moved to multiplication, then you moved to, to division. Because once they've got those math facts down pat, math is going to get so much faster. Another thing that helps is to set a timer. Yep, that's the site. Thank you very much, Felice. If you if you set a timer, it's the mathworksheetsite.com. Now, if you set a timer, that can help them to just focus a little bit it needs to get it done. You know, eyebrows are very distractible. And we found if we say, if we, the first time, I just take measure how long it takes them to do it without telling them. It would be three hours. Say, all right, if you can beat that time tomorrow, I'll give you a treat. Well, tomorrow will probably be one hour. I mean, they really, if they're trying to beat the clock, they can go so much faster. And we keep, every time they beat their first personal best time, we give them a treat. Before long, they're doing a math lesson in 20 minutes or 25 minutes instead of three hours. And so that little timer produces enough stress to keep them focused. Okay? So you want to make a plan to catch up. First, never, never, never put aside the Bible. Do devotions every day, no matter how little time you have. Because that's the whole point. He's raising godly kids. You want to disciple them. And so never put aside the Bible, and devotions will make a day go ten times better. Now, don't spend a ton of time at it, because then you won't do it tomorrow. Read them a little bit of the Word of God, explain it, maybe sing a song or do a memory thing and pray and move on, okay? You want to keep it doable because you want to do it every day because it's the consistency that really makes a difference to our kids, okay? Then get math under control. 
And that may mean you do nothing but math for a few weeks until you can get enough of it under control that you're catching back up. Then once math is under control, add back in language arts. Now, let me talk to you about language arts. Language arts is more spiral. It repeats the basics from year to year. And so you don't usually have to finish last year or even get halfway through last year in order to start with the next year when it's language arts. Because, see, in language arts, there's basic concepts, and you just keep applying it to more complex language. And so, you know, it's not like math where you learn fractions and then you move on, now you're going to learn decimals, and then you move on and you're going to learn algebra. Instead, you learn some basic skills and you keep applying them to more complex language. So usually, you don't have to finish last year's language arts program to start fresh with this year. Now, you might have to stop and review a little bit. You know, they might say, what was that? What's a noun? You might have to look something up in your grammar handbook. I advise you get one. You have to look something up and say, because it was at the end of last year, you might not have might not remember what a predicate nominative is or something. That's okay. But so math, you're, they're going to have to get through those books, okay? And so you want to get it under control first. Language arts, just start with the new year in most cases. Be prepared to spend a little extra time reviewing. Then, use science and history for motivation. And so you say, finish your math and English, and I'll tell you another history story, or we'll do a science experiment. Be sure that you're not doing traditional textbook science and history that is just reading boring facts and dates and answering a bunch of boring questions at the end. You want to do a lot of doing actual science experiments or reading about science, reading about biographies and history that tell the story of God's creation and in in God, in God's hand in history in those early years. And so do the interesting stuff. Do projects, have fun, use that and motivate them to get other things done. All right. So you plan to catch up. Then you need to work on restoring the love of learning. You see, in all of you, my dread of school because I felt like a failure made my children dread school because I wasn't having any enthusiasm. I was dragging my feet. I didn't want to think about it because I felt like such a failure. And so you've got to restore the love of learning in all of you. That means that even if you're behind, you've got to make some time for some fun learning stuff, take a field trip, do a project. Do some reading aloud. Find a fun book to read aloud together. You know, don't let the burden of schooling overwhelm you. Now, if your textbook program, if your curriculum or your co-op, maybe you're involved in a really intense co-op, or anything else is stressing you more than it's helping you, get rid of it. Pitch it. Find something that fits your life better. It doesn't matter what all your friends are doing. That's why we're homeschooling is to do things for our kids that are doing what they need. And so if, if, your, te- if your curriculum or your co-op doesn't work, get rid of it. You know what? There's hope in this. Restoring the love of learning is the most important thing you can do here to getting back on track in school. How? Because we think, oh, we just got to keep going. Even if it hurts. 
Restoring love of learning will mean your kids will keep going even when you can't. I told you about that year that Katie had a heart condition, Hal had cancer, and it was just so overwhelming. Oh, my word. Well, at the end of that year, it was time for one of, at the end of a couple of years like that, it was time for one of our children to apply to colleges. And one of the colleges asked for a reading list. I said, okay, son, I need you to bring me your, re- your reading list. I need to see what you've done. Just write down for me everything of significance you read in high school that the college is requesting. When he brought it to me, I was blown away. He had read way more than I would have ever dared to assign to him. I said, you didn't read all this, did you? He said, yes, ma'am. I said, well, okay, you read Eusebius? Why in the world did you read Eusebius? And he said, well, you told me to read this book, and I got interested, and I read another book, and it mentioned this other book, and then I read that one. His love of learning had driven him to educate himself. And that's why the love of learning is so important, that you've got to restore the love of learning in you and your children because when you do, the learning's going to happen no matter what else happens in your life. I want to encourage you to let this year be a year of joy, a year of recovery, a year of rebuilding in your family because God can do incredible things with our pitiful efforts. And, yeah, get school back on track. But the most important thing you can do is decide with your kids. I used to really worry about those days that we didn't get anything done because I was disciplining and counseling and dealing with crises and everything all day long. And now that I have adult children, I realize that those days I thought were a waste. I mean, I really thought they were a waste. I thought we're stupider than we are when we got up. We, the house is worse off than it was when we got up. Everything is worse in every way. I was wrong. Those were not a waste. Those days were the most important ones for making our young, our boys the fantastic godly men that they are now. And so be glad and rejoice. For the Lord has done marvelous things. It tells us in Joel chapter 2, verse 21 at the end of that chapter. Be glad and rejoice, for the Lord has done marvelous things. Yes, he restores the years of locusts of Eden. You can get this back on track. Take it step by step. Don't bite off more than you can chew. Keep going. It's going to be okay. It's going to be all right. And one day your kids are going to grow up, and they're going to rise up and call you blessed. They're going to call you and say, Mom, I just want to thank you for homeschooling me. It's happened with every one of our grown kids so far. They're going to bless you too, because what you're doing is important, And what you're doing to disciple them is the most important thing of all. And that's why you can't quit. Because if you disciple your kids, you'll have the least regrets of all. So take care, my friends. I hope this year is full of joy and recovery for you. And Felice, I am done. It's back to you. Questions? Yes, that was wonderful, Melanie. I so, so loved it. And one of the moms um, posted in the chat room, she goes, she said, um, where is it now? There's too many other ones that just got posted. But she goes, did Melanie just say we don't have to finish a book? What? So I don't have to finish. And she named all these books. And she goes, we're seven-eighths done. If you're seven-eighths done, honey, move on. (laughs) 
and a couple of moms are saying that they needed to keep this in front of them to um, to remember. And just, you know, one of the things that you said that really uh, struck me was about being enthusiastic about school. I remember um, when the kids were little, I would get all excited because, you know, I was, I was a teacher and coming uh, from being a teacher, you know, you continue to teach yeah. Um, you know, like you did in school. And so I would give these little pop quizzes because my big thing was retention, retention, you know. So Mm -hmm. every once in a while I would say to the kids, we're going to have a pop quiz and just, like, be all excited. And they're, like, all excited. And then they're like, well, what's a pop quiz, Mom? So then I'd say, well, we're going to just have a game and, and, you know, see what you remember from yesterday. And they're, like, all, you know, happy and getting their stuff out. And um, that evening, um, we have a very long driveway um, where I live, and so Daddy would be pulling his truck and trailer in, and, you know, he'd pull into the first little loop, and then he'd back his trailer up. So it was this big process. So they'd see him when he got home, and they would run out, and he would, you know, give them a ride in. So he comes in and, um, you know, puts his lunchbox down and he goes, uh, so what are you telling my babies? You know, are, you know, what are you doing? And I said, what? And he goes, seriously, a pop quiz? And they're like so excited telling me about it because, <laughs> you know, what are you feeding them? <laughs> and so, you know, it, it did sound funny when he was telling me that, but you know, they're not going to know. They're they're going to think it's this big, great, fun thing, you know. And unless we're like, oh gosh, we got to do math again. Um, they don't always catch our enthusiasm. One of the uh, moms at the Facebook party we had prior to Mommy Jammy's night, um, she's a Charlotte Mason mom and writes some curriculum. And she said, yeah, my kids don't like geography and don't like to read. And I'm saying, yeah, and I've got kids who won't do science fair and don't like science, but they like history. <laughs> but that's not what their mother writes. <laughs> so, you know, it it happens, right? It does, and you know, you, it it all happens. You get it done there. I see somebody submitted a question. It was a fantastic question. They said, yeah. "What is your yeah. best plan to fix those yucky days that get off track with short numbers all around?" I'll tell you what. Right. Embrace them. Those are the days that you're going to spend a lot of time discipling. That you're going to have to get out the Word of God that you're going to have to pull for instruction and righteousness by doorpost off the shelf and talk about keep, about anger, those are important days. Not right. much book work may, may get done, but the things you get done are way more important than book work, and they make the book work possible. And that's a kind of backwards way of thinking about it, you know, because we think, oh, it's going to be a horrible day and we don't get much time. But I wonder sometimes that the Holy Spirit is looking and saying, this is going to be a very profitable day. Right. And we've got some more questions here. I forget, Melanie is also a show host, so she uses the system. Most of my guests can't read the questions, but she can. So so go ahead, Melanie. I'm refreshing the screen so you can see them. Uh, We've got one from from Melissa from... um, Bellflower, Illinois. Yeah, so she says, go ahead. Yeah, she says, can you give us more tips on restoring the love of learning? My kids won't even read any books on their own. And and that's kind of hard um, unless we know their ages. Um, So 
So if you want to put that in there too, and I'll let you go ahead, Melanie, with that question. The love of learning is gained in the real world. And you're not going to restore the love of learning with workbooks and with textbooks. It's going to have to be extracurricular. And so how do you do that? If you want to, if you want them to learn to love history, read them a biography about a real person with real stories that they can figure out what it was like to be that person. Take them on field trips. Take them to a, a, an American Revolution battleground and walk out the battle together and figure mm -hmm. out exactly what happened. You know, if it's math, help them to figure out how that math is used in the real world. They're learning area. You know, you look at area and you think, why do I have to learn this? And then this week we're painting the trailer up at our house mom's lake retreat. And so we had to figure out how much paint you use for the trailer. That's area. You have to measure the length and the height and then subtract the windows. And when we show our kids that what they're learning has, ap has application to the real world, they get start getting excited about learning again. Mm -hmm. If they don't like to read, find an absolutely can't-put-down book and read it to them. And stop at the most exciting parts and, and lay the book down and walk away. <laughs> right. Um, the, one of the books we published, A Cry from Egypt by Hope Hour, is that way. It has lots of moments that you don't want to stop at. Um, one, of, one of the reviewers said that she stayed up all night reading it. <laughs> so find the kind of book that makes you stay up all night long and read it to them and just put it down. And when they say, and when they say, Mom, Mom, don't stop there, you say, I'm sorry, I don't have time to keep reading, but you're welcome to read it on your own. You know, you want to give them, make them hungry for it. And so the, the love of learning comes from doing, from hearing, from seeing the application of, of education in the real world. And you're going to have to work at it. If you're bringing kids out of the school system, it's going to be hard because they're going to, they're going to see learning as a horrid, boring chore. And you've got to show them instead it's like exploration of a new country. It's really exciting. Right. Um, Melissa said her kids are 7, 11, 14, and 15. Yeah. Yeah. So. And some good read-alouds for a wide range of ages like that are um, Swiss Family Robinson, the original one, not the abridged one. Because they get in lots of adventures, and all the kids are going to be able to understand that and, gris and grasp it. Um, Chronicles of Narnia, The Hobbit by Tolkien. You know, mm -hmm. find some of these that are just absolutely, they're classics, they're fascinating, and whet their appetites. Right. We, we did a series um, this summer, actually, um, one of the ladies who I interviewed is going to have a show on the um, Ultimate Homeschool Radio Network, and um, we did a series on reading books, and like one was even putting together a classical library, and then I did a summer reading list and must-read books. I'm looking at my site on vintagehomeschoolmoms.com. It's episodes 84 and 85, and on those pages there's a link um, and Meredith Curtis put together, like, I want to say it's 40 pages of um, different books for different 
you know, age levels, and and a lot of them are, you know, like your favorite, favorite books. And she and I did an episode together about what our favorite books were. And um, my niece was over visiting for the summer, and she was circling books and going, oh, I remember this one. <laughs> and, you know, like that's all these beloved books. So there's some really good lists on there. Um, and good, LaToya posted the link for um, A Cry from Egypt from your website. Thanks, LaToya, for doing that. Um, so we've got a lot of um, great helpers in the in the chat room there. Okay, so um, Melissa asks, uh, what if you are about to start the year, um, year two of homeschooling, so first grade this fall, how do you determine if your struggles in year one are a sign that homeschooling is not for your family or if you just need to press on? This was very encouraging. I'll tell you, if you are willing to do what it takes to get your homeschool on track, I would I recommend homeschooling above all other educational methods, and this is why. Because it reclaims 35 to 45 hours a week of time a week of time a week that you can spend discipling your kids. Because if they're away from you all day, no matter how good an education they're getting, you have to hope they're going to remember their questions and they're going to feel like asking when they get home. That special time with your children, the teachable moments, the quality time cannot be scheduled. Quality time only comes as a result of quantity time. Quality time only happens when there's enough quantity time that you happen to be there when the Holy Spirit is pricking their hearts or when they're not understanding something or when they want to talk to you about life. And homeschooling, because we have all that time with our kids, it gives us a tremendous opportunity to impact their lives. It also, I think that a parent who's committed to it, even if they struggle a lot, is going to do a much better job educating their child than anyone else because nobody has more invested than you do. Nobody cares more whether your child gets an education than you do. And so I would definitely recommend keep, if you're willing, keep going. Because we've we've had horrible years, we've had wonderful years. And we've graduated three of our kids, and I just thank God. And did I do everything right? No. I made tons of mistakes, and I have regrets. But when I look at my sons, they're walking with Christ, and they're equipped to work in this world and support family. And you know what? What else matters? Nothing else matters. Yeah, I agree. I, I really agree. And, you know, I, I I hear people say that from time to time, you know, well, I, I just couldn't homeschool or I don't know how you do it. And, you know, my response normally is, well, I don't know how you do it. You know, you've got to get up. Sometimes, um, you know, the kids are in private schools because that's what people consider a good alternative and they're driving them to, you know, as many as two or three different schools. Then they have to go pick up the kids. Then there's homework. Then there's, you know, you have a little block of time maybe in between when the kids are in school. Um, and then, of course, because the kids are in school, and this happened to my sister-in-law who was a homeschool mom, you know, she had to go and get a job because they couldn't afford the private schools. So yeah. she didn't, it wasn't like she got to sit home and, get all the stuff done she wanted to get done, um, you know, and so it's like a, a vicious cycle. And, I, you know, I have to say, 
get connected to a local support group, join, oh, yeah. um, you know, join in on our networks. Helen, Melanie, you know, teach classes. Um, there's there's so much help online. I mean, you know, I'm looking at the chat room, and there's, you know, three or four people here that I know, but I've never met. You know, like mm-hmm. um, like Latoya, like uh, Susan Evans. Um, who else is here? A lot of our regulars are not here tonight. Um, Arola is not here, and we're going to keep her and her family in prayer. Her son had surgery. Trisha's here. Um, and and we, we get together every month. And so we get to know each other, and we pray for each other, and it's like a, a family. Same thing with um, Helen Melanie. They have um, live events. And so, you know, this might – you know, not be in person, but it is um, a place that you can you can come. You know, on the podcast and and Helen Melanie are every week, and and you can um, you know be with like minded people, and it really does help. Um, so you know, we're here to encourage you and and support you, and especially um, you know encourage you to continue. So happy about that. Okay, Heather asks, uh, what language arts curriculum do you suggest for upper elementary boy allergic to his pencil and hates to write? Um, One thing I would recommend for an upper elementary boy is that whichever curriculum you use, that you separate composition from handwriting. Because handwriting tends to be very difficult for boys until until they're upper elementary, middle school, sometimes even high school. And I have written several books and have never written one word of them by hand on a piece of paper. You know, we we need to recognize there's a difference between grammar and composition and handwriting. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, keep them doing handwriting, keep them doing some copy work, using, you know, learning how to write by hand. But for composition to learn to write as in produce something for somebody else to read, then let him dictate it. Let him okay. type it. Take turns. One time let him write it by hand, another time let him type it, another time let him dictate it. Because he needs to learn that he can write. A lot of boys are so overwhelmed by the physical stress of moving the pencil on the paper and prevent, you know, presenting something legible that they don't even realize that they have a great imagination and they're good at putting words together and that they're excellent writers. Yeah, I'm going to admit something here um, that is going to be on the recording, but I have really slacked off in my old age <laughs> um, of, of being a homeschool mom, and um, they do learn to write cursive, but I don't require it. Um, in their handwritten things, and because my kids all reverted except for my one daughter, um, but they all print, and I think it's horrible. And I say, you know, it takes so much longer to print, and I've noticed a lot of kids today revert to print because they're so used to that block letter on their, their they type everything, and I can't text really well, you know, and and they laugh at that. I mean, I think it's archaic to use your thumbs when I want to use all my fingers. And so, you know, recognizing that, and I stopped sweating the small stuff because I wanted, you know, the, like you said, the better quality papers and 
And when I removed that obstacle that it has to be in cursive and everything else, and yes, you can use the computer to type, um, it made it so much easier for them. Um, you know, but I do have, like, I got a paper the other day from one of my kids and I rejected it and said, I'm not even looking at this until, you know, you capitalize some of the things that need to be capitalized. And it turned out, you know, he did it on his iPad on the, you know, without a keyboard. Well, no wonder, you know, it's like, well, send it to yourself an email, son, correct it and then send it back, you know? And, um, so, you know, it, it, there's, there's a little bit of that going on, but, um, you know, that's uh, another program you might want to try is Write Shop um, by Kim mm-hmm. Wright. Um, that's a, a really a good curriculum. Her son hated to write. When he was in the seventh grade, she started a co-op, and it, she and her um, her writing partner um, modeled it after a specific type of book. Um, they had somebody's book that they used to write this curriculum with, and they got her permission, and now they have a whole series. But um, her son just got his doctorate, um, and he is um, a pastor in London, you know, somewhere in England. I don't know if it's London. But anyway, um, just amazing testimony to a kid who hated to write in seventh grade, and his mom um, really worked at, you know, giving him the tools he needed and, you know, now married with, with a child and has a Ph.D. So that's uh, an amazing story. Yeah, and then yeah, Nancy asked, yeah, um, are there is there a list of, of classic books by grade level and ability? And I, I think yeah. I posted that, there but you probably several. have some places. Yeah. Well, there's some, several great ones out there. Um, we have a list on our site, RaisingRomen.com. If you go to RaisingRomen.com and click on links and list at the top, we have a list of our favorite books for boys. And so go check that out. Also, there are several um, there are several lists out there if you just Google and start looking for them. I think um, Van Bloom has one. The Blooms, the Books Bloom, are favorite people of ours. We love their used book their used book um, booth that they do at various conventions. But Jan Bloom has a book on books children love. There's another book called called Books Children's Love. Children love. But just look out for those. Veritas Press Catalog has a lot, has a great list of books. Um, Honey for a Child's Heart is another book that you can go to get ideas. You know, there's there's a ton of great books out there. Check out those resources. Very good. Well, we are over time, but we didn't start exactly at 10 anyway. And, Melanie, um, we are going to all be praying for you and how – um, as you finish your latest book project, I'm excited um, about that. And, um, you know, I want to thank you for taking the time out of your writing retreat to be with us um, tonight and uh, also for all the work that you, you do with ministering to moms and dads um, in your travels. And so um, I'm sure you have a schedule up on your website as well. Yes, and a um, couple of things coming up. We are starting a new live session of our boot camp 9 to 12 for parents of 9 to 12-year-old boys. It's at RaisingRollMen.com slash boot camp. You can either watch it live or watch the recordings later, and it is one of the most useful things we do. Um, That starts next Tuesday night. We're going to be speaking in um, Clayton, North Carolina, later this month at the JCHE 
um, mini conference there, and then at the special needs homeschooling conference for FPA, FPEA in November. And we're going to be on our way to Dallas in September for a conference, a leadership conference we're going to. And we are have a few open dates on the way to Dallas, on the way back from Dallas. We live in North Carolina in late September, early October. Check it out. I'm also going to be speaking at the two to one blogging conference in early October. So lots of opportunities Wonderful. to get out and see the Youngs. I want to invite you guys to join us on Facebook, facebook.com slash men or facebook.com slash Melanie. And Very we're on good. all social media. I now we now do Periscope <laughs> everything. Everything are slash Raising Real Men. We are oh, indeed. Yeah, and we so do funny. some really yeah, fun and kind of outrageous Periscopes. <laughs> I'm sure you do. That's like the one thing I, I'm so far... I'm so far avoiding, but uh, I also avoided the fax machine way back when, and now that's obsolete. <laughs> so uh, I'm sure you guys are hysterical on Periscope. I didn't even know that, Melanie. You're going to have to. to well, we let have me kids know. in their twenties. We're on every I social know. media. <laughs> I know. I know. Oh, too funny. Well, well thanks again. Yeah. Please pray that we can get house computer fixed. Because we will. we're having the, the hardest time getting our writing done, and this is really the only time we have to write. So y'all please pray for us. We will. Definitely are going to lift you guys up. So, um, And we want to hear a praise report, too, that he's able to fix it quickly. That would be that's, wonderful. That's All right. Well, thanks again, and we will. Um, I will talk to you soon, and then everybody else, you know, contact uh, Melanie and Hal through all of their um, – their their books um, or their website and I've got the links up as well and they'll be up in the replay post so thanks again Melanie take care and God bless bye bye -bye. I'm so happy you came to Mommy Jammies Night please drop my guests a line and let them know how thankful you are that they gave their time and follow up with me on the Ultimate Homeschool Radio Network Facebook page or via email God's blessings upon you and your family. Thanks for joining us.